Hi everyone, this is Mark Graham and I'm joined by longtime Promo Kitchen collaborator Danny Rosen. Today we welcome back longtime guest Paul Bellantone, CEO of PPAI. We all know the industry is going through a challenging time as we grapple with the impact of the coronavirus. On this particular recording date, March the 13th, 2020, stock markets are crashing, suppliers are being run off their feet with hand sanitizer orders, distributor sales forecasts are being rewritten, employees are being asked to work from home, end clients are canceling events in droves, and some people are starting to get sick. And it feels like we are at the very beginning of what could be a long and difficult journey. Danny and I wanted to sit down with Paul to see where his head is at and how he sees the next few weeks and months unfolding for our industry. Given Paul's vantage point as the CEO of PPAI, he has a unique perspective on where we are struggling the most and also where some of the bright spots lie. Without further ado, let's kick off this conversation. Welcome, gents. Hello, Mark. Hello, Danny. Hey, what's up, Paul? Hey, Mark. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Paul, I want to start off with this one. How are you doing right now? What's going through your head these days? Oh, boy. I think the same that everybody else is going through at this point. Trying to take this massive amount of information that we're having thrown at us, coming at us either by social media, every news outlet. You know, the virus is the, the main thing, as it should be. It's a big issue. And trying to distill it into some points that we can make sense out of it a little bit for our industry, for our families, for my coworkers and my colleagues at PPAI. Just trying to make good, reasonable decisions based on fact, not fear, that allow us to move forward and do the best we can for the industry and the association. How about you, Danny? How are things going at Brand Fuel these days? Hair's on fire. Clients are canceling events left and right. Having a real open dialogue with our staff. We are, you know, communicating as best we can to our customers. We have this mindset of we know we're going to have to shrink in some way, whether that's cut back on expenses or do things a little bit differently in terms of resource management. But the other side of it is like, how do we grow? Like, how do we giddy up? Like, have a positive attitude about this in some way? And, you know, do we go after different markets? Do we focus on research and development? Can we invest in some things that have been on the sidelines in terms of people power? And then Robert, my business partner, sent me a text last night. It was probably about 2 a.m. Both of us are, you know, turning in our, in our sleep like many people are these days and, and scratching our heads. But he sent me an article and it talked about Thomas Edison back in the, I don't know, 1600s. There's a, you know, an epidemic like this, pandemic probably, and he took the approach of trying to be innovative during that time and create things. And he said, you know, could we send our staff home and be on like a hiatus of sorts if we're really not that busy and then see what we come back with to be a bigger, better, improved company? So we're trying to have a positive outlook, but I think all things say that it's going to be a tough time. Yeah, I agree. I think that it usually takes these difficult moments in our world or in our industry for innovation to really come up. And so I think that's a certainly very positive attitude, even though I think a number of us are quite shell-shocked. It reminds me to some extent of 9-11. I had been in the industry for about a year or two by that point. And I remember when that happened, and even though I was in Canada at the time, 
it felt like the world had kind of shifted. The axis had shifted and it felt like there was going to be a major impact on the industry and how clients felt about our space. And do you think that's a fair comparison in terms of how we're all feeling right now in terms of this unease about the future? Well, I think, Mark, it is a good analogy. And I've been trying to go to 9-11 or maybe the shooting that happened at Mandalay Bay a couple of years back Mm -hmm. uh, from Mandalay Bay at the festival and some other scenarios. And while there are some similarities, this one is really uncertain. It seems more uncertain to me. That was an occurrence, and then it was recovering from an occurrence. And I think, you know, after 9-11, we had something to rally around at some point and say, let's rebuild. And I haven't found that point in this one yet because we don't know if we're on the upside of the roller coaster or on the downside of the roller coaster, or maybe we're really not on the roller coaster and want some completely different ride. So as I was saying before, I'm looking through all of these different news outlets and the different information that's coming to us and how different countries are responding to this, which is another thing that makes this one difference that it's global. It's not, you know, New York or us specific. I'm having difficult finding those similarities, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I would say the one common thread, a couple common threads. One is I hope and I think communities will be stronger after this. We'll start to realize what's important. We will come together as a nation. Globally, we're starting to get more deeply connected from this and figuring out what's more important in our lives and things we miss and the wants and needs of life consumerism, all of that stuff kind of reminds me of, I think there was a bit of a pause back then. And then the economic impact was tragic for a period of time. And I think we're feeling that today already. And it hasn't really, the coronavirus hadn't hit us yet. But the analogy I might give is, and I'm dating myself, but AIDS, I remember in the 80s being in high school and, and that happening and wondering like, if I sit on a toilet seat, do I get AIDS? I mean, kind of these questions that we heard early on with coronavirus before anybody knew, and there was no internet. So we were reading the newspaper a day after the news had come out. And I don't think anybody really realized the impact that it really had until Magic Johnson got it. And it's sort of like this Tom Hanks right. thing that happened. It was like, yeah. oh my God, someone who we all know and love who's got money might die. Yeah. There's some similarities there. It's an equalizer for certain. It really is. It doesn't, it doesn't select. Yeah. You can't unselect yourself based on your you know, ethnicity or wealth. Right. I think, Danny, what you're talking about is the hopeful side of it. You know, that's where I'm putting my faith on the hopeful side of it. But what you mentioned was, you know, what we make out of it. And I think the trajectory is what's going to be important going forward. It's kind of like you hit a golf ball. And if you're off by just a little bit, the trajectory of it gets, you know, further and further away at the longer the ball travels. And I look at something like 9-11 where there were so many good things that came out of that. Yeah. You know, but, but there are also a lot of policies and things that came out of 9-11 that I never considered favorable in the way mm-hmm. that we looked at other countries and did things. So I'm hopeful that you're right and that people do use this as a building thing and not a, a divisive thing, which we've seen some of that on the media already. Yeah. So, Danny, what advice do you have for people in the industry who are grappling with what to do next? Do you think that business owners should be laying people off right away? How can we prevent some knee-jerk decisions that may impact our industry negatively 
for the long term? Let's just start with the negative and that side of things, sort of the knee-jerk reaction. I read something this morning. It was Inuit word. I think the Inuits are from your area, Mark, in Canada. The word is called Quarstaluni, and it conjures up this image of sitting together in the dark, waiting for something to happen. And I don't think that's what we need to be doing, right? So I think we're going to have to learn to live with some tragic things, some loss. On the flip side, we've got to practice hope and patience and selflessness. We've got to be smart and resilient and probably innovative. But I think that the negative things that are happening, you know, with, you know, I think it was Winston Churchill said, don't waste a good crisis, I think, once upon a time. Yeah. And so people are, maybe there's price gouging on both the supplier side as well as the distributor customer side. So I think there's some things like that that are sort of coming to light right now. There's nothing good that comes out of making decisions in fear. The fear mongering is atrocious, but it is happening. I feel like there's also some ambulance chasing as well. And so I think these are all short-term strategies and reactions that are legitimate, that are happening not just in our industry, but in every industry to some extent. And it's disappointing. I understand it, but I think there's a lot more upside potential. How about you? What are you seeing on the negative side? I'm reading a fair amount on social, some of the knee-jerk reactions that are coming out right now. And some examples are folks that are concerned about end clients that have canceled conferences and events. And as a result, that is impacting the distributor bottom line. And I'm seeing some knee-jerk reactions. I'm seeing people that are posting how they had to fire a number of great employees because of this. And on one hand, as someone who has been in business for himself for you know better part of 20 years, I completely understand that stress. Every two weeks, you have a big payroll nut that you need to cover. So I can understand that. But I think there's another part of me that worries about short-term decisions, particularly when it's good people whose jobs are at risk. And I think that we as employers in this industry have a responsibility not only to the people who work for us, But I also think we have a responsibility for the longevity of our industry to continue to think and invest for the long term. So I may get hate mail for saying this, but I think it is important for us to really look towards the longer term in terms of how we can maintain the health of the business. And a lot of it is on the ownership's shoulders. If you're an employee, you don't have as much control over these things. Obviously, you want to show up each and every day and drive as much value as you can for your employer. And maybe some of that is thinking outside the box in terms of different ways that you can be filling your time if, let's say, the work has shifted. So I think we're all in this together. But for me, I think it's sad to see some of what's happening, given that this coronavirus has really just started impacting our industry. It's really only been the last couple of weeks. And to see some people making some decisions that I think they may ultimately regret, I don't think is a good thing for the industry. And I don't think it's a good thing for these particular business owners. How about you, Danny? What do you and Robert talk about in this particular regard? Yeah, well, now it's, I'd like to say it's Robert, myself, and everyone at Brandtool. I think one of the approaches that we have had and have learned through, you know, the dot-com crisis, the farmer regulations, the issues around the 2008 
economic blowback and shutdowns and all the things we dealt with. We've learned some things. And one of those things are to include our team as much as we can, be transparent, be open, share with them that, you know, there's really two ways to go with this. One is to look at expense reductions as much as we can. We talk about needs versus wants, and every department's looking at that now. The other way is to sell our way out of this. And we think there's a fine balance in there. We've done some good work with our strategic planning that we do every single year, but we're revisiting that, which will allow us to level set our budgets. We'll look at our sales target reports and go back and see what you know big projects we had that we'll probably lose as related to you know major events that will either be canceled or postponed and we'll level set there as well. But one thing, I think you were hitting on this a bit, I think it's really important to us and I hope it's important to everyone in the industry is that we've got so much talent that we've invested in and to, you know, have a knee-jerk reaction and lay people off so quickly. This is a decision around people. It's around the long-term strategy of your company. And I think for Robert and I and some of our managers, we would look at, you know, taking pay cuts first before we did any of that, looking at part-time. But I think it's about resource management. I think one of the things that I would suggest that every business do is to ask yourself and ask your team, how can you keep your business going while providing a high level of safety during this vulnerable time? And it's kind of like, this is going to come off as so callous, and I hope it doesn't. But I was thinking about this this morning. It's like Chinese New Year without the party, right? So Chinese New Year, they shut down for like a month in China, and like you, nothing happens. They're having a party for a month. And so there's this opportunity for us to have a period of time where maybe we can look at ways to innovate our businesses, you know, more research and development, look at new trends, new decoration techniques. You know, what are new products that we can bring to marketplace, new services? How do we focus on better training our staff instead of laying them off? Let's educate them. Let's invest in them now so we come out of this on the other side with a new and improved, talented workforce that's ready and prepared better than when we were so busy, you know, filling orders and trying to stay on top of things while it was a boom town. But yeah, just one more thought around this time. We talked about the great plague of London in the 1600s and Isaac Newton going on hiatus. And this is where he had this time to muse and experiment. And this theory of gravity came out of that. It was, you know, life-changing for everyone. And Shakespeare, you know, was quarantined because of the plague back in the day, and he wrote King Lear, you know, so what can we be doing as individuals while we're at home now if work isn't what it was yesterday? What can we be doing today to take this time to do something innovative and to brainstorm and dream and come out of this in a much stronger position? Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I know it's easier said than done for sure, but I reflect back on my career in this industry and it's, I think, as you say, it's always been in those moments where I've either been on vacation or it's some sort of forced sabbatical that I've taken for a couple of days where I just go off and I think outside the business. I always return refreshed. And I think what's weird about this, it feels like it's been forced upon us as opposed to something that we planned for. So I think that's freaking people out. But to your point, if we use this as an opportunity to really invest in ourselves, our creative, our intellectual selves, to learn something new, there's no question this is going to pass. When it passes, you and I can't tell. 
Will this industry rebound? 100% yes. This industry has faced all sorts of drama and challenges over the last many decades. And as Paul was saying, we always come back stronger. So I think that is a near certainty. And I think what is going to separate the successful distributors and suppliers in this space is how they conduct themselves during this time of maybe we call it a forced sabbatical, so to speak. And I'm excited about that. I had a question for you. I know that Brand Fuel has been around for over two decades and that you've experienced incredible stress in your business because of macro challenges that you've had to face. If you were to think back to some earlier times in your history, can you tell me how Brand Fuel was able to navigate past challenges? And do you think there's a parallel with what we're experiencing right now with this coronavirus fear? It's the same but different. I think Paul talked a little bit about that. If I could sort of go back to my younger self and Robert and I 10 years ago or so and think about our decisions that we made during that really tough time, I think that's probably the closest thing we have to what we're going through now. We lost 35% of our business. And candidly, one of our knee-jerk reactions was to, oh my God, maybe we need to sell now before you know, we lose our business. And we started talking to others in the industry about you know, how do we protect ourselves? Should we figure out a different way to manage our and navigate our back ends? And those are really difficult decisions. But I will say that really proud of the decision that we made as a company, in particular, Robert, you know, is just he's a good voice of reason. But just to say, like, we're brand fuel, you know, and now you can insert your company name into this. And we are a good company and we have great talent and we need to fight our way through this. Let's not let our heads hang low. Let's figure out strategies to help get us through this, our team, our families. It's going to be a tough time. And, you know, we had a comparison analysis to, you know, laugh about this, but Gilligan's Island, you know, it's like we're on this three hour tour. We jump into this industry. There's no internet back in the day. We're making money. Everything's wonderful. And then, you know, the storm hits and it's hit several times and we end up on this island. And, you know, the guys on the island, Gilligan and Marianne and the skipper, they all do this amazing work together to come together and make things work simply. And they redefine how they, how they live. And I think the show ran for 10 years. And I remember saying, you know, at the end of the 10 years, what happens? You know, they get rescued. So it, this is a cycle. And no different than investing or pulling your money out of the marketplace. This is going to take some patience. This is going to take some foresight, some innovative thinking. And so I think, you know, remember who you are as a company and the amazing team you have around you to help you get through this. There are a lot of pundits out there and and you're going to have to make your own decisions for your business. But I think we need to double down on taking the time to do things like you know, re-strategize around direct mail to look at getting your sales team to do a different kind of outreach instead of email or going to see customers, maybe more calls and outreach that way, picking up the phone, creating really badass webinars and presentations that you've never made before. You know, if people are at home and they're working from home, I think one of the challenges is we don't have their addresses at home, but maybe there's an angle there if you're human resources departments to offer touch points with products that are going to help these people get through this at home and help 
them realize that their companies care about them in this, you know, challenging environment. And of course, you know, we're a product centric industry and the reliance on China has been just, you know, I'm going to say tremendous and horrific, but now it's creating an opportunity for companies like Brand Fuel to look at focusing on made in USA and non-China selections, which I think is just a smart thing because of that reliance. And I think we're going to come out of this situation, just like the tariff situation, even stronger. Paul, what's changed in your world over the last week or so? The reason I ask you this question is about a week or so ago, you sent an optimistic email out to the industry that said PPAI was monitoring the coronavirus. And at the time of your writing, there was going to be no event cancellations that you knew of. And I remember I read the email and it it felt like it was optimistic and positive in tone. And it almost felt like, hey, we were going to be past this within a couple of weeks and there'd be no impact to Expo East and so on and so forth. How have things changed since you wrote that email a week ago? I would write a different email today (laughs) for certain. I, I would write one that looked a lot like the one that was sent by you and Catherine, quite frankly. I think the couple of days that you had to respond. And then Tim Andrews, I thought did a fabulous one this week. He's we're writing based on what we know at that moment. Yeah. Mine seems like it could have been written, you know, in the dark ages compared to where we are today. But that's been the dynamic around this entire coronavirus. When we first had conversations about coronavirus, it was complete, at least from an industry perspective, it was always the health perspective, but it was a supply side issue that our industry was facing. We couldn't get product to sell. Our industry is going to be facing the demand side. If we're not already, you know, a couple of things that Danny has spoken about, we have a demand side issue that our industry is going to deal with beyond the health part of it. If you look into the verticals that we sell the most, you know, you have the meetings and events, you have education, you have energy. All three have been significantly impacted, not to mention financial in a different way, have been significantly impacted by this. That will be industry changing for each of those verticals. So it's not just about whether people are going to be having meetings in the future. What will those meetings look like? And what will be the best practices around event planning from moving forward from this? And so, again, each one of those vertical industries are going to have their own trajectory that we're going to be dealing with as promotional product professionals. Yeah, it certainly makes me worried as well as someone that spent many years as a distributor and seeing these event cancellations and just the inevitable impact that we're going to have on the industry with these end clients that are reducing their demand. Yet on the flip side, I'm seeing a lot of industry blog posts and posts on social media where distributors are coming up with new ideas for event planners that have canceled their events. So an example of that could be do a dropship to all the people that are now having to attend the virtual conference, which I think is a brilliant idea in terms of using our product and our medium to keep people engaged. So Danny, question for you as as the distributor on the call here, are you seeing this shift to other ways of packaging our value proposition as something end clients are buying? Or is this theoretically a good thing, but maybe in practice, they just don't have the money for it? Yeah, I got to say there's a lot of you know, fear in every marketing department, except unless you're making, you know, rubber gloves and face masks and hand sanitizer. But I think there is a very interesting opportunity for 
both distributors and suppliers to start thinking about not being opportunistic, because I think ambulance chasing and all that is just not something we need to do. We see a little bit of that already, but I do think we can repackage our industry in some ways. Direct mail, you mentioned, is a big part of our business. And I think from time to time, when we talk to marketing departments, they kind of scoff at that. It's expensive. It's old school. And I think old is new again. And this is the opportunity if you have direct mail services or you don't and you look for a new opportunity here or your supplier that can offer packaging add-on value there to help distributors help their customers reach their targets. I think there's a real opportunity there. And I also think about training. You know, I mentioned before, what is something, you know, brand fuel might be doing? Maybe education. We double down on that. I think our customers maybe are going to do that. So there's opportunity there, whether it's virtual or however, and how can we reinforce that with the medium that we have? And I think for PPAI, I think certainly it's an opportunity for PPAI to double down on its training organization, which is strong already, but how can we get people in front of that now so we come out much stronger as an industry? And I'll just ask the question there for you, Paul, around training in our training department. And then I got one more to follow up. Is PPAI sort of bracing for that and hoping that there's a place for distributors and suppliers to gain insights during this time? Well, yes. I'll answer that in three. Yes, kind of always, and <laughs> probably not as much as we should at this moment. What we have here is one of these learning moments that we can go back and say, to be that thing that you were talking about, Mark, to be that consultant to your client that Danny's talking about, that's not a conversation. This should go to show you that that's not a conversation that you can have during the crisis. The relationship that you've had built up to this is going to be the amount of trust that they're going to put in you to do something moving forward. But I think that if you've never been a creative consultant to your customer, all of a sudden you're going to show up and make like you're going to be able to solve all these great problems for them. I think that window is already closed. I don't think they're looking for that from you. So I think it reinforces. It reinforces that you have to build these relationships during good and bad. You can't just do them when they become convenient. So, Danny, the answer is going to be yes. We're going to find ways to talk to companies about who was successful. That's kind of what we do is we point to where there has been success and then have those people teach and train and and help us educate others. More of like an aspiration. This is the way we should be looking at these situations. Sure. So let's keep that line going with what PPAI is doing. I think as we see a lot of cancellations of events across the board, and as this is being recorded, which is March 13th, I just saw something flash up right before our call. Donald Trump has declared a national emergency. So this is really real stuff. I think we anticipated that, but now that's happened. How is PPAI managing the events like Expo East, WLC, NALC? Will these go on? I know we're talking about this in the boardroom, but what do we know today? And if they get canceled, is there a digital medium that will be in response to that? Well, we don't know the answer to that. So as I expressed to the board on our call, actually our board call earlier this week, we have a 30, 60, 90 day plan that we're working for every one of our events. And there are certain trigger points within that. So we're looking at each of them differently. This will affect NALC different than will affect Expo East, which is 90 days out. So it's hard for us to know what 90 days out is going to look like for Expo East. But More shorter term, we have our legislative event, our lead event in D.C., which is in early May. 
that one's more likely to be affected by it for a lot of different reasons, whether or not the capital is going to be open for appointments. Will we do virtual fly-ins for that? So each one has its own set of go, no-go criteria. And I sense, Danny, and I'll say this on this podcast, the board wanted to know more. They wanted to know more of what those triggers are and what those specifics are. And as we were formalizing our points, there's actually about 21 or 22 different trigger points that we're looking at. I think the board and and the members would like to know, you know, what are the three things so that I can watch the news and decide whether or not we're going to be doing this? Well, it's not three things. There's 20 things. And a lot of them are subtleties. I gave an example. If Freeman Decorating, for some reason, cannot produce the show because their labor is all infected, that may be something that's not on anybody else's radar. So we can have members that are saying, hey, we want you to run this event. It's important. We might have to cancel for something that's not even obvious to them. Right. So we'll be monitoring these things as we're moving forward. Some of them have insurance against them. Some of them, it'll be a force majeure situation where you almost want to delay the decision and have the decision happen for you. Right. You know, if I have a hotel contract, and I have hotel contracts for $50,000, but I, we would be out if I canceled today. But, you know, in two weeks, I might get a note from the hotel that says, we're not going to be able to produce your event and we're going to refund your money. So we're looking at each one differently. To me, the more important thing is how will we treat our members through this? It's not, mm-hmm. are we going to have the event or not have the event? Are we going to give you your money back? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Probably offer credits. I'll tell you the association's policy that we've recommended to the board is we go by the normal cancellation policy. If you're however many days out and you don't want to attend the event, we'll give you your money back. If we were past the cancellation policy and you tell us that it's because of coronavirus or your fear of flying, whatever it might be that's driving you not to make that decision, we will credit it to some other association spend that you may have in the future. It's prudent. Because it's not about the event. It's not about the quality of the event. So the assumption is you're going to move forward and possibly do this in the future. So for me, there's two factors. There's the business factor. And then how do we roll this out to our members in a way that they know that we love and care and want them to engage with the association? Paul, if we look a little further out, I'm going to ask you a tough question here, but see how you can answer it. If this coronavirus is not under control by the end of the year and PPAI needs to cancel the expo, what financial impact does that have on our industry association if you're not able to have your annual bake sale, as you call it? Yeah. About, I want to say it's 40 something percent of the total top line revenue. It's a massive amount of money. Mm that we would have on the table. Some of that would be mitigating. Obviously, we wouldn't have all of the expense against it because we do insure against certain things and we have vendors that have long-term relationships with us. So we'd be able to mitigate expense. It's not going to be crippling. We have reserves. We have reserves that could cover not having an expo for a couple of years. God forbid that ever be the case. So we would dip into reserves. We would keep the operation of the association moving forward. We continue to find ways to provide member benefits and that access to each other that people down on Expo. But it would be devastating 
to the association, it would be devastating to the members to not have the expo, which is their number one meeting place in the industry each year. Yeah. Danny, from your perspective as a board member, do you have anything to add or reinforce to that doomsday question? I'll add something kind of, maybe it's not silly, but like I always have these, as Paul will tell you, I'll throw out a crazy idea from time to time, but let's say the show doesn't happen for some reason, which I don't think we anticipate it not happening by January. I think we're all very hopeful and think this thing starts to die down by then, but you know, maybe uh, Expo East becomes Expo, you know, it's Expo East is a solid event, but you know, maybe we put some energy into that, right? breathe life into that. So what I'd like to say about you know, my role is being able to have the good fortune to serve in the boardroom, PPAI with Paul and, and so many other great folks is that it's just, I can say that like with every ounce of my person that PPAI is prepared and that makes me really proud. I think we've made hard, but very important decisions through the years that I've been able to serve. And, and what I'd add to that is we got a strategic planning session that's coming up in the near future, which I think you know, this will be a part of it, obviously. And the staff is amazing. They are just fantastic. Paul's leadership, it's incredible. I think we have thought these sorts of things through. We didn't see this one coming, but I think we're prepared. And I also want to say that, you know, there's this degree of empathy, I think, that that courses throughout the organizational veins of the organization. That sounds sort of weird, but there's empathy. There's caring about membership and it's not all about making money it really is about taking care of membership and elevating this industry and helping the industry get through it and that gives me a, a massive massive source of pride thanks danny i want to add on to something so i think the challenge for the association and the opportunity for the association is not as significant clearly but it's pretty significant what does an expo post coronavirus look like and we're already thinking about that, too. We're assuming the show's moving forward. We'll do that until we know that it's not. But what changes do we have to make to the way that we meet in order for Expo to be successful in a post-coronavirus Expo, in a post-coronavirus yeah. meeting environment? And I think there's opportunities in that that we might not have tapped into because we weren't forced to go back to that Edison thing, you know, that we weren't. Right. Forced to, to think about things differently. Yeah. It's like New York City. I think they had inmates producing like, I think it was 100,000 gallons of, of hand sanitizer a week to sort of respond to this. I know we're not going to be in the business of making hand sanitizer for Expo, but you know, it just sort of makes you think about what the opportunities may be and how we're going to come out of this in a bit of a different way. But it's interesting to see like what the industry will do to connect and help each other out over this period of time. I think PPAI is positioned to guide some of that connectivity and advice and education. And maybe, I'll just use this term, maybe we brand together, <laughs> if I can be yeah. so bold. <laughs> but, you know, this idea of branding together, like PPAI has a role in that. And so, Paul, what do you think as an industry, you know, what can PPAI do to help members get through this over the next period of time, however long it lasts? Share that empathy. This isn't a situation like we're a Prop 65 where that's going to affect our industry vertically or the SWAG Act that we're dealing with in D.C., which affects our industry and the rest of the world. It's not their concern. There will be industries that are hit harder than ours, and there are going to be people who are going to die 
because of this and have died. And I think it's one of those things where we need, as an industry, to look at ourselves as part of a, a bigger ecosystem. It's not all about us. I got to tell you, I watch some stuff on Facebook I'm reading, and I'm watching people lose their mm-hmm. crap over orders that are going south on this thing. And it's like, watch the news. People are dying. Yeah. Like, it's bigger than promo. Now, I think promo is a way that we're going to be celebrating successes and that people will come together. We are always that thing, you know, on the backside of this, what is our industry going to be able to do to help people rally around and educate about diseases and viruses and how they get transferred. But right now I would just say, Danny, and I know it's something that's going to speak to you. Be kind. Yeah. People have stuff going on right now in ways that we can't even imagine and then this is just dumped on top of it you know, people are going to lose their jobs people are you know it's going to trigger a number of things many of which we've not even touched upon on this call mm. be kind yeah my knee-jerk reaction to this is to think about this in a positive way i mean i think paul you make a great point that sometimes distributors, it's particularly distributors that are the ones who are freaking out about these orders that are going south with their supplier partners can get really tunnel visioned. It becomes very much about landing that order, producing that order, keeping their client happy, retaining that client relationship, and all of which I think are noble things. But you can get really trapped inside that very small world very quickly. And there is a benefit that comes from this. It's a bit of a wake-up call, you know, that there's heavy stuff that's happening outside the four walls of that end client relationship and their hand sanitizer order. And it may bring that outside perspective to ground people. And yes, there's a lot of bad that's going to come from this as well. But I think that 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 kind of global situation, that global problem that we're all dealing with may bring some maybe tunnel vision folks into reality and that at the end of the day, make us stronger as an industry as we emerge out of this. I think there'll be some pretty amazing stories. I was talking with Bobby the other day about this and just think about the kinds of stories of heroism and maybe the opposite of heroism that are going to emerge over the course of the next three to six months is going to be truly fascinating (laughs) from people in our industry. I'll be interested to see what comes out of it. Agreed. Agreed. I think the back end of this, when we get there and, and in time, there are going to be amazing stories and people are going to be helping us be better through our industry. We've proven that through, I mean, we've had wars and depressions and recessions and terrorism and our industry has always come back stronger. Yeah. It's always come back a little bit smarter. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, we really appreciate you taking the time to give us some perspective. I know full on that a lot of these questions, you don't really have the answers. Your perspective is certainly important, but I know you don't have all the answers and I really appreciate you speaking from the heart. And I know that the Promo Kitchen community will really appreciate this. And maybe we revisit in 30 days when things hopefully look better. And maybe we look back at this time as a time of learning and maybe in 30 days, it won't be better, but I'm really appreciative that we got this snapshot in time on March 13th, which feels like a particularly odd time. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll tell you actually just in closing here that as we fired up the mics for this podcast, we're recording at four o'clock in the afternoon. And we at Common Skew just sent all of our team home. All 25 staff are now going to be working from home for the next two or three weeks. I know that we're not the first people to do it, but this is the first time in my entire time as a business owner in this industry where I've ever had to make a decision like this or Catherine and I had, had to make the decision for this. And it's, it's surreal. Quiet yeah, office right now. We're doing the same. It's, it's a, so we actually this week, um, we're in the fortunate position of not having to run equipment and machinery. We had different departments this week work from home to test if we could. And I suspect that next week we will roll out a plan like that as well. We'll probably be cutting back on travel. And, you know, I was out here for the CASA, the, the Puerto Rico Caribbean Association speaking earlier this week. I will likely self quarantine when I get back, because the last thing I want to do is be the person who steps in the office and makes my colleagues sick. So we're all doing some things we couldn't have even, I wouldn't have even dreamed about Mark when I went and I wrote that letter 10 days ago. Everything is different. Well, Danny, Paul, thank you for your time and friendship and all the contributions you've made to the PK community. I know that we all appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Paul. Great. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello, Alexandra. How are you? Good. Good. I had a question for you. You ready? Yeah. All right. So you are the daughter of Catherine and Mark Graham, correct? Yes. And how old are you? I'm turning 11 in May. All right. So that makes you like 10 and three quarters. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you've heard about all this stuff that's going on with the coronavirus, right? Yeah. Can I ask you a question about that? Like around like what's going on in your head and your heart? Is it freaking you out? Or are you okay with it? Like talk a little bit about what's going on in your mind about this coronavirus thing. I mean, I'm not that worried because there's not a lot of cases, I guess. But I mean, we're not and it's like not that wearing my friends are running, I guess, a little bit, but I mean, it could be worse. Like, but I mean, they canceled the basketball season and the hockey season, so I can't really watch anything, but not that worried. That's good. I like your positive outlook. What will you do with the extra time that you have now that, you know, you're not going to be watching TV as much because the sport's not around? I know you're a big hockey fan. What will you do with all that extra time? Um, might do some knitting. Knitting? Really? Are you going to be knitting t-shirts and maybe selling them to the promotional advertising world? Well, I don't think I can do that. Not that talented. I have a sense you might be, but I love that you're knitting. You're actually making something, which I don't know that a lot of kids today know how to actually make lots of stuff. So that's kind of cool. What else? Uh, play with my friends. Right on. Outside, I hope? Yeah. That's great. Well, I love your positive outlook. I think that bodes well for everyone. I think there are some people out there, and you probably know some of them, maybe your parents are freaking out a little bit, but I think if we all stick together and hang with our friends and we're smart about this thing, we'll get through it. What do you think? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your opinions and positive thoughts with me. You're welcome. 
Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. See you next time. Thank you.